Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Long time no see. Just kidding. We're back. Same day. You already know. Playoffs is a grind. We're trying to give you all the content, all the analysis on every single goddamn playoff game here on Dime Dropper. You know the drill. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. For tonight's episode, our second episode of the playoffs, the first one is already out, recapping all game ones, as well as all my previews are out. So check those all out on the YouTube channel, on the Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review if you'd like. The Clipper vlog will be coming out tomorrow, and a video later will be coming out in the week. Just my favorite moments from the season, uh, as far as Clipper fans and Clipper, the Clipper season went, because it was a fun season, cut a bit too short. But let's get into the games tonight. We're going to start off with the 76ers and the Toronto Raptors game two. So obviously we talked about in the first episode that Scotty Barnes got injured, and that's a huge loss for Toronto. In addition to that, we had Gary Trent Jr., who was struggling with an, a non-COVID-related illness or something like that today. And so he really didn't play at all. So let's get to the way that the Raptors or should I say the Sixers, started the game tonight. And that was through Joel Embiid and James Harden being really aggressive, especially Embiid, really, being aggressive, getting to the foul line. He had, I believe, 12 free throw attempts in the first quarter alone. Now, I turned the game on like six minutes into the first quarter, so by the time I turned the game on, he had already been to the line 10 times. So I can't tell you, sadly, if those were good calls or not, but I can tell you that when I did turn on the game, he was doing the same thing he was doing in the other games. He was catching the ball in the first game, I should say. He was catching the ball deep. He was posting up, being aggressive, and making sure that when he caught the ball deep enough, you had to hard double him. Or if you don't, he's in too deep. You're going to have to foul him. And he made you pick your poison. He dominated. He got and ones. But, but... The Toronto Raptors had a much better first quarter today than they did in game one. And that was in large part due to, you know, what I've noticed with a lot of these teams in the playoffs is that everyone is kind of switching everything except for their center. And the same was happening with the, the 76ers. Harden, Maxi, Niang when he was in, Tobias, they were switching a lot. And one of the favorable matchups that Toronto was getting was Pascal Siakam being guarded by George Niang. And when he saw that, he was going a hard drive right, getting right to the rim. And he got a couple buckets off of that, got to the line a couple of times. Embiid was more in drop coverage, but even Embiid was switching on and guarding Siakam a lot. And he's done it in both games. Because obviously the Raptors don't really have a traditional center. They kind of go with Precious Tachua or Chris Boucher. And Embiid is taking the challenge of guarding his Cameroonian brethren in Siakam a lot in this series. And he's doing a pretty good job moving his feet, being a presence at the rim. And his effort, like, for example, he'll get blown by because, like, laterally he can't keep up with Siakam. But he'll try his best to recover on the play and just 
you know, go for the block to try to intimidate the player, the offensive player, and it worked a couple times. I don't remember if it was Siakam or Van Vliet, but somebody missed a layup after they had clearly gone by him or clearly gone by Harden, and it was just beat on the help. His effort, there was even an audio clip, an inside tracks, or audio assist, whatever they call it now. It used to be called inside tracks, where you could hear him communicating, talking about when to switch, talking about screens coming. And that's the attention to detail that you're seeing from Joel Embiid that he's always he's not been a, he's never been a bad defender but he's really improved on that end and he's improved in every facet of his game. He is not playing like just a superstar right now. He's playing like he wants to prove that he's the best player on the planet and it's a totally different type of energy than we've seen from him in the past. This is another level. But Toronto in the first quarter was there because Fred Van Vliet started out really well. Hit a couple of threes, got to the rim, had 14 points in the first quarter. Toronto, obviously, you know they're going to switch a lot. And when they get certain matchups, they're going to double-team Embiid. And that puts the defense in rotation, though. So Embiid continuing to be dominant. Even George Niang scored five points, getting the ball on rotation with the ball moving. I remember it was one time Siakam closed out on him too hard. He went in for a floater and then hit another three a couple minutes later. But thanks to Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam, the Raptors led by one. After the first. However, the second quarter, it was again that second quarter where the Sixers, and we'll also talk about the Warriors later, used to really build their lead. James Harden, a lot of criticism on him going into this playoffs. A lot of pressure. But so far, he has answered the bell every time. He does not have the same step he used to in Houston. He is not as explosive. He is not as athletic. But he is playing as well as he needs to be playing right now. He was playing good defense. Remember, the Sixers are switching a lot. And when they had Paul Reed in the game, they were switching everything. It was MB, I'm sorry, Reed, Harden, Tobias, and I think Danny Green. And they were switching basically everything. And Harden was holding his own for the most part. There was one time where OG Ananobi, and I was pretty impressed by him, went to the post against Harden twice. One time he had a turnaround over his right shoulder. I think the other time he got fouled. But I liked, I saw an increased bag from OG Ananobi tonight. Had some nice, you know, uh, pull-ups off the dribble face up like 18 footers contested jumpers so that was something that we'll see if that can if he can start doing that in Toronto and then Van Vliet it's just I want to say if Van Vliet Siakam and him have great games they can win but without Gary Trent and Scotty Barnes it's going to be really hard to win they're going to have to play perfectly or hope Harden and Embiid just shit the bed or what could really help is the other guys not playing well because again Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey were awesome. I mean, Tobias Harris, this is the best start to a series I've seen from him in a long time. He hit, I believe, two mid-ranges, and I think it was two threes, actually. Two threes, you know, there was one play where somebody was overplaying him or ball-watching Harden, and, and Tobias cut, caught the ball, drew a secondary defender because somebody had to help, uh, help him. He had a wide-open lane to the basket, and he made an extra swing in the corner to Danny Green for a corner three. Danny Green, who also turned back the clock today with a dunk late in the game and took a charge, got a block. He looked really good tonight, Danny Green, which I didn't expect at all. And that Paul Reed guy showing some good defensive versatility. But Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, I mean, Maxey, his finishing, his layup package is spectacular. The way he contorts his body in midair has a little bit of Kyrie Irving in him in that sense. But, man, Tobias Harris was really impressing me. Not because I haven't seen it before, but just because he was performing on the big stage. And I thought James Harden is showing, I don't know if it's going to continue, but he's showing real maturity right now. Not just because he's letting Embiid eat, but because he's even letting Maxi go push the pace a couple of times. 
he's kind of encouraging him to kind of be free. And also, he didn't put Tobias in a box tonight. Tobias got a nice mix of isolation opportunities where, you know, Tobias isn't the type of guy that's going to clear you in terms of getting the step on you and going all the way. He's the type of guy that just needs a little bit of space, kind of like Clay Thompson. Just a little bit of space. He'll turn, he'll pivot, he'll stop on a dime. He just needs a little bit of space. If he's within 15 feet, he can hit a jumper, he can hit shots, and he's a tough shot maker. And Tobias was showing that part of his game tonight. But... In addition to the Sixers' good offense, the Raptors went ice cold. Ice cold. And Fred Van Vliet, especially in the end, at the end of the first half, he had a possession where there were two wide-open threes, and he was well short on both. And that was a sign of fatigue to me. Uh, and I don't think he's follow, his follow-through did not look very good. It, look, it looked like arms, but maybe it was legs. You know, when shots are short, that's usually legs. But I'm no expert on shot mechanics. However... Yeah, a lot of open threes again, and the Sixers were just making them pay. There's the star power that they have with Embiid. He's just playing at such a high level, and he took it to the next level in the third quarter. I know, you know, Chuck and Shaq said something in the, at halftime saying that if the Sixers are really serious, they'll blow this game wide open and make Embiid and Harden and their starters rest in the fourth. They almost got there. Joel Embiid and Tobias, you know, Tobias started out the third quarter right where he left off, hitting his open threes, even some from distance, getting to the basket and getting to the, you know, getting into the 10-foot, 8-foot area for his pull-ups or stop on a dime, pivot and turn, turn around jump shots. Tobias, he can score. He just needs to believe in himself. But Embiid, my goodness, put on an absolute clinic in the third quarter. One thing I love about Embiid, and this was my big criticism criticism of him in 2019 and years prior, too much settling for threes, too much settling for jumpers. What he's done is he's not only gotten so much better in the mid-range game, where I consider I still consider threes for centers total bailouts, but mid-range, if you have it down to a science, it can be a layup. But he's also not even settling too much for the mid-range. He's trying to post up deep and dominate, dominate, dominate. And they also... Tried to throw some doubles at him. He's working hard without the ball, too. He's leading by example on defense. He's playing with this confidence that he's the best player on the planet. This is, And he looks more conditioned than the past. He's actually making this Jokic discussion a discussion for me. I've been Team Jokic for since Jokic kind of burst onto the scene, I guess since 2019. But Embiid, the way he's playing right now, and it's not just because of the help. I can, I'm going to talk about Jokic when we get to him, but... His defense, his array of shot making right now, his determination, how hard he's working without the ball. Mostly his defense, you know, even his mobility, he's, he's moving his feet pretty well too. And there was one time where he even guarded Fred Van Vliet pretty well. I think he fouled him a little bit, but still he was moving his feet, making himself big and wide. And Bede is just playing at a different level. There was one time where he had the ball in the mid post. Defense came over to double from the top. What do you do? I was saying it. I was talking to my TV. I said, turn over that left shoulder, Joe. Turn over. And he did exactly that. You know, like the great players do. Because, again, we're watching on TV. We're watching with the widescreen. He's playing it. It's much It's much easier to call it out when you're watching it on the widescreen uh, with the broadcast view than actually being in it. But when, when, when the player's doing exactly what you're seeing, that means that he's seeing it. He's seeing the game simply, and he's seeing the game slowly. And that's what's happening with Embiid. Hit a turnaround over his left shoulder, and then he hit a turnaround corner three. Turnaround corner three, like Kobe in the left corner. It was just ridiculous. It was just ridiculous. And although that being said, part of the reason there's always two sides to everything. 
some of the stuff you, against Embiid was just unstoppable. There's no real matchup for him in the, for the Raptors, as I talked about in the preview with Jonathan Fahim and, and Nelly J. But there's another issue. Siakam in the second half just totally lost his composure. He missed one or two chippies to start. Then he got an offensive foul unnecessarily follow, following through with his left hand on Embiid's face. And you can just see it. I was telling my dad, I said he's losing composure because he was trying to play physical on defense, but I could tell he was going to pick up a foul because he had lost it. And I was like, he's, he's looking, he's getting overzealous. Picks up a foul, gets a technical. He, he had just, you could see he lost his composure. You could see it. And Siakam, to take that next step, if he wants to be the best player on this Toronto franchise going forward, obviously Scotty Barnes is going to be ascending into that role slowly but surely, but Siakam needs to keep better control of his emotions. I know that at home, the Sixers are going to get calls. Every team has been getting home-centric calls, but you have to be patient and you got to just realize it's part of the part of the game. Be aggressive. Stay, stay with what you're doing and make sure you keep finishing around the rim. But... The Raptors wouldn't quit. You know, they went down by around 20, but in the fourth quarter, Chris Boucher was the leader to me of a comeback. He was hitting threes, taking charges, blocking shots, flying everywhere on defense. He even uh, got to the basket a couple of times. And this and OG Ananobi was playing well as well. Sixers cut it down to single digits, I believe. I think actually, no, I think it was 11, 97 to 86. And then Tyrese Maxey with a big transition three gave the Sixers 100. And they rode it home. I thought they got a little complacent. James Harden and Embiid especially starting to turn the ball over, starting to get reckless. And thankfully for them, they were up by a significant margin. And there was no Gary Trent or Scotty Barnes. But that was a little bit of a slip up. They, they could have made it a little bit more comfortable than it was. But that being said, it doesn't matter. Danny Green, as I said earlier, dunk and a block late. The final score for the Philadelphia 76ers, they take a 2-0 lead. 1-12-97, just like they did last year against the Wizards in the first round. Let's read the lines. Siakam, 20 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists on 7 of 20 shooting. But no, he just did not play well enough at all. 35% shooting. He needs to be better in Toronto. He needs to be better in control of his emotions because he started losing in the second half. I thought he had a good first half. He was attacking, but lost it in the second half. Uh, OG Ananobi, really good game. 26 points, 10 of 14 shooting, and 4 of 7 from deep. Amazing efficiency. Should have shot more. Freddie Van Vliet started out well, ended up shooting way too many threes and bricking a lot of them. 20 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 turnovers, 7 for 23 from the field, 5 of 16 from 3. That's a lot of threes. And then Gary Trent Jr. with a donut. So it's going to be really hard to win like that. Shout out to Chris Boucher, though. 17 points for him on 8 of 13 shooting. But it was a... Routes from the Philadelphia 76ers. Tobias Harris, another 20-point night. He's averaging 23 points in the series right now. 20 points, 10 rebounds as well, and three blocks. He had a couple of nice strips. 7 of 11 for Tobias and 3 of 3 from deep. Danny Green, 11 points for him. Started tonight, 4 of 12 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3. That efficiency is 33%, but that does not reflect how well he played. I thought he was really good. Embiid, 31 points, 11 rebounds, 9 of 16 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3. That 3 he made was the turnaround over the right shoulder. See, he's only taken two threes. I just love that. I love that approach. 12 of 14 from the line. He didn't actually shoot many free throws after that first quarter. And then Tyrese Maxey, another incredible performance for him. 
23 points, 9 rebounds to go along with 8 assists, just making the right plays, finding his open teammates, 8 of 11 from the field for Maxi, 3 of 6 from deep, and then James Harden. The stat line, again, doesn't really do him justice, 14 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, but he got a steal and scored off of it. He, I'm pretty sure he drew a charge at one point, was getting his body in front of guys. He was actually trying on defense tonight and was creating shots for his team. So the stat line just does not do him justice. And I, you guys know me. I'm not a Harden fan. I despise the guy. He's my least favorite player in the NBA, probably. But I thought he was really solid. And the Sixers look formidable right now. If they continue to play like this and they get those contributions from Maxi and Tobias and continue to play this well at defense, they're going to be a championship contender for sure. And I may have them over Miami. But Miami looked really good the first game too. So we'll have to see. Overall, the Sixers shot 52% from the field. They shot 47% from deep, 14 of 30, and 26 of 30 from the line. So they took care, they just shot well throughout the board. Also, 12 blocks on the game for them. But anyway, Raptors, it's just going to be an uphill battle at this point for them. Let's move on, though, to the Utah Trash. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Started out better. Donovan Mitchell at least did. Got into the pick and roll and got into his floater game. Hit two floaters in the first quarter. I believe three actually in the first quarter. But one thing I'm going to say too, it's the same situation with the Mavs and the Jazz. They switch everything except for the matchups with Gobert and Dwight Powell. They go drop coverage both sides. Jalen Brunson was, they. we talked about in the preview, me and Nat, that the Mavs needed a, a ridiculous game from either Jalen Brunson or Spencer Dinwiddie. Well, they got exactly that tonight from Brunson. Three threes in the first five minutes from him. A couple in transition. A couple just, you know, in the pick and roll. They're going underneath the screen. They're going over the screen, stepping into it if they were dropping too deep. Jalen Brunson started out well. One thing that also stuck out to me. First couple of minutes, Donovan Mitchell found Rudy Escargobert on a lob. And he made one, and then he immediately missed one. And I think it was twice in the game where Donovan threw him a nice lob pass, and Rudy just thought he was DeAndre Jordan in his prime and wanted to alley-oop it from like the middle of the key instead of just bringing it down and going up strong. He didn't do that. He had three turnovers in the first quarter, Rudy did. One time they even tried to throw it to him on the block against Kleba, and he looked foolish. This guy has no post fundamentals. He doesn't keep the ball up high. He goes up really soft. Brendan Haywood was even calling it out in commentary tonight that he was going up soft, like he's afraid of contact, afraid to follow through. You know, being afraid to get offensive fouls is not an excuse. But the Jazz, because of those turnovers early, they were the Mavs were taking advantage of it. And you got to give the Mavs credit. Very active hands to start the game. Very active. Dorian Finney-Smith, Reggie Bullock, they were fantastic all game long. And, you know, the second Donovan or Conley or these guys would try to drive, you would see multiple hands. And they created a good amount of turnovers early on in the game. And that got caused Jalen Brunson to get going. Even Maxi Kleba hit an open three in the beginning. Even Dorian Finney-Smith hit his first open three. But the one guy that just couldn't get going in the beginning of the game for the Mavs was Spencer Dinwiddie. Whether it was open threes or his floaters in the lane, he just couldn't get much going. But thankfully for the Mavs, again, what's keeping them in these games is their improved defense as a unit. But Donovan Mitchell, Bogdanovich... You know, they got off to solid, Bogdanovich got off to a solid start again. He just had another really good game. And again, I'm going to say, reiterate it, needs way more shot attempts. Way more relative to what's going on right now. But anyway, Donovan played better today. 
He was struggling in the in the first quarter from deep, but he was getting into the lane. And Rudy was doing a good job on the offensive glass and obviously holding down the fort on defense. It was forcing the the Mavs weren't getting that many easy baskets in terms of at the at the rim or in the paint. It was all jump shots and open threes. They had a lot of uncontested threes though as a result of protecting the rim. Anyway, second quarter, the Jazz led by Jordan Clarkson. He came in towards the end of that first quarter, and he started pouring it on. You know, corner three, getting into the lane, his floater, mid-range coming off screens. If if the defense is in drop coverage, does a really good job of keeping the defender on his hip, getting into that floater, or getting into that right elbow, Chris Paul style, falling away. He was giving him the business, Jordan Clarkson. The business. And... The Mavs really struggled to score. Again, the only real shot creators they have out there are Brunson and Dinwiddie. So they really have to, when one of them is sitting out, it's like really on one of those two guys to create. Boyan Bogdanovich, again, scored on Spencer Dinwiddie twice in the post in this game. And some beautiful turnarounds over the left shoulder that Bogdanovich has in his bag. So something they need to go to more. He was, cause, he was getting double teams, and I thought that the Jazz, they were like loading up on Bogdanovich full on. When Bogdanovich was catching the ball on the left wing, like 18 feet away, Maxi Kleba was straight up leaving his man and coming over to the block and loading up. But Donovan did one time, he had a really did a really good job of flashing to the middle. He got the ball, just didn't finish the layup. But the Jazz did a good job spacing out and being ready to counter the load up. Rudy, moving screen, got his fourth turnover in the second quarter. But Donovan, even though he... Could have been a little bit better. Like, I think Donovan, and we're going to talk about it more in the second half when I talk about the second half, but I'm starting to realize his bad habits. He's starting to fall way too in love with the three ball. When guys are going over the top of screens, he can get downhill, get to a floater, get to a mid-range more than he does, but he settles for that three. He really does. And then on isolations, he sometimes settles for threes too much for me now. And I just think that it, it it's, it's a bailout in terms of the defense and... You're, again, bailout in terms of, yeah, the defense, you're not letting them try to play defense without fouling you, really. And obviously, driving penetration creates opportunities for other people. So I think Donovan is settling a lot, even though he started hitting threes towards the end of the quarter. Hit three threes, I believe, in that second quarter. Rudy, though, pathetic offensively. Just absolutely pathetic. No fundamentals, as I said. But he is crashing the offensive glass. I will say that. Especially in situations like when... Dwight Powell is in the game, and the the Mavs have to play the pick and rolls and drop coverage, and the big man steps up to take away the three from Donovan. You know, Rudy will go to he'll have a lane to the basket with nobody putting a body on him and get that offensive rebound. That was happening a good amount, but you know, you got you got to kind of pick your poison. You got to get a body on him as best you can. Mavs got to do a better job of that in Utah. But Bogey Donovan ended the quarter well. Another guy that also ended the quarter well for the Mavs though, and and. And was starting to get to the get into the lane and get to the line a little bit and set a precedent for what he would do in the second half was Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie started feeling himself a little bit more at the end of that second quarter. And then going into the half, it was a seven-point Jazz lead. Third quarter, to start it, the Jazz were still on top. Boyan Bogdanovich, Donovan Mitchell doing their thing. Jazz led by 10, 60 to 50. But Jalen Brunson... Did it again. Him and Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie got to the line, then got in the lane for a floater. Jalen Brunson started getting into the lane as well. 
really doing a great job snaking that pick and roll. You know, if they were giving him the left hand, he would weave back to his right or vice versa. Give him that right hand, he would weave back to his left, find those angles to bank in shots, use guys' uh, leverage against them, go into the body of guys. Just the way he was navigating those pick and roll situations was really good. And even when they tried to switch guards onto him, like Royce O'Neal, Conley, Donovan, they were switching that because it's not really much difference with Donovan and Conley guarding Brunson. They would switch that every time. I would too if I was a coach. But Brunson was having his way with Conley. And Conley was not having a good night at all. He was in foul trouble the whole game and had no rhythm at all. He shot seven times, didn't make one shot, and it felt like so long between each shot attempt. He was not in any sort of rhythm at all. He went to the basket a couple times and got smothered. And credit to the Mavs defense. They just did a hell just did a hell of a job overall. And part of that run in the third quarter, with led by Brunson and Dinwiddie, was when the Mavs went small. They went with Maxi Kleba at the five. So now they can switch everything. And now they can try to spread the jazz out. And you know, Rudy, despite his great rim protection, he has a slight tendency to me, and we were seeing it tonight, it reminded me of Terrence Mann, overhelping. I know his perimeter defenders are just terrible. I think Donovan's actually had a pretty decent series until that fourth quarter tonight. I actually thought he had a pretty decent series the first the first seven quarters or so, guarding the ball and being active off the ball on defense, and he even had one really nice possession defensively, one-on-one against Jalen Brunson last game that stuck out to me. And I'm just paying attention to Donovan's defense, and it's it's not as horrendous as I remember it being. But in the but in the fourth quarter, but it, it's hard to trust if you're Rudy. So sometimes he overhelps, and Maxi Kleba was making them pay because Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie were getting by Clarkson, getting by Conley, getting by Donovan for fun as late third quarter and the fourth quarter, and Rudy was just you know helping, and they were finding Maxi Kleba who was unconscious in the third quarter. But so was Jalen Brunson. I mean, this guy was just hitting threes left and right, hitting floaters left and right, using guys, um, yeah, like stopping on a dime and pulling, pulling over guys from the mid, from the, from the key, from the in-between game. It was just so impressive from Jalen Brunson. So impressive. Bogdanovich still scored 10 points in the third quarter for the Jazz. He was really a constant for them. And they had a four-point lead going into the fourth. But man, Maxi Kleba, Three threes in the third quarter, and he would not stop there at all. Jalen Brunson, two buckets in the paint to start the fourth quarter. Rudy still being weak around the rim. But Jalen Brunson was just getting whatever he wanted in the in-between game, whatever he wanted. Isolation, pick and roll, it didn't matter. He was just getting, weaving his way in there, snaking his way in there, and just doing an amazing job. And then once they started helping off of those guys, helping or helping helping guys guarding Brunson, he was making the right pass every time. And Maxi Kleba was just splashing from three. Eight for 11 from deep for Maxi Kleba. 25 points, six rebounds, and three assists. Not to mention he did a really good job protecting the rim, staying strong, sticking his chest out, and taking away guys you know, angles to just try to go up and get a dunk or a layup. He would step up, take their airspace away, and make it tough for them, get physical, play great defense without fouling. He only had two fouls. I thought he was phenomenal. And another guy that was really phenomenal was Reggie Bullock on both ends of the floor. 
Played good defense, fighting through screens. He has good long arms, and he was hitting his threes tonight. Four of seven from the field, three of five from deep. And then Dorian Finney-Smith, he had gone a long time without hitting a three, but he made a big one in the fourth amongst the run like when Cleveland was hitting threes and Jalen Brunson was getting off. But more than anything, his defense was spot on. The amount of ground he covers when he helps, he recovers, closes out. He, he, he runs guys off the line. He did a little bit of everything. Did a little bit of everything, and he did such a great job on Donovan Mitchell, who tonight did not close. Three tough misses in the fourth quarter late, trying to drive to the rim, just meeting multiple defenders. And Donovan, he needs to figure out a way to get better shots at the end of games. I'm starting to really see the flaws in this guy. One, Boyan Bogdanovich is 9 of 15. They go to him late for two buckets, for two possessions, two buckets in which he scores. He's either getting you a good shot one-on-one or getting double-teamed the way this series is going. They don't really have a matchup for him. If you're going to throw Dorian Finney-Smith on Donovan Mitchell, Bogdanovich is going to have an advantage. And they don't go to that enough at all. Because Donovan wants to play hero ball and constantly run high pick and roll. A lot of these possessions, no one's touching the ball. And he tends to... And this goes back to my one of my basketball convictions. Like, you're a 6-3 and you're the best scorer on your team. That has limitations at the end of games. When you put long wings and the best defenders on you, you know, you want to go one-on-one. Okay, you're either taking a contested three or he's running you off the line. It does not seem like Donovan is confident in his stop-and-pop mid-range. He doesn't seem to go to the mid-range when, when, it, when it's nitty-gritty time and time to, time to get buckets. He wants to go all the way to the rim, and he's met with multiple defenders. You're going to go into a crowd. They're going to try to make you kick it out, and when they see you going up and they come at that, when you time it perfectly... You know, it's hard to make those kicks, kick outs in the middle of the air. Donovan's getting caught in the air. He's running into traffic. He's playing hero ball. He made, he had one Euro step in score, but he was one of four towards the end of the game that I remember one of four late in the game. And the Mavs just straight up made them pay. Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, but the threes, you know, Maxi Kleba, Dorian Finney-Smith, absolutely huge. Dorian Finney-Smith had a huge block late in the game. And, yeah, you know, the defense got burned. It's the same old story with the Jazz. Donovan playing, not trusting his teammates. They should have gone to Bogdanovich more. Bogdanovich was 9 for 15 from the field. That's 60%. 25 points. And Donovan was 13 for 30. There's no reason that he should be shooting twice as many shots as Bogdanovich. That's just too much. 34 points for Donovan. 13 for 30. 3 of 10 from the field. I just don't think he closed well. It was just not what a closer does. Reckless shots. I don't like the shots he gets late in games. And I'm starting to see that what me and my boy Knowledge on, on the spaces we're talking about, he probably isn't going to be the best front of championship team. He's too small and he's too selfish right now. He doesn't guard. I mean, he tries to guard, but he's just not good at guarding. And then sometimes he doesn't even try to guard. There was one play earlier where Jalen Brunson changed pace on him in transition in the first half, and he just stood up straight and didn't care. It's like, okay, I get it. You don't want to get a foul, but like, that's a little easy, man. It's the playoffs. We're seeing you very closely here. But, yeah, and, you know, 808, eight minutes to go in the fourth. Donovan misses 25-foot three-point shot. But then, see, they were up by six points. Like, they were really up by seven points in the fourth quarter. But, yeah, Reggie Bullock made a big three from Spencer Dinwiddie assist. And that's the thing. Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson were getting to the paint at will and making the right plays straight up. But let's read the lines. Jalen Brunson had the game of his life, and he came up huge. 
41 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 dimes, 2 steals, 0 turnovers, just spectacular, 15 for 25 from the field, that's 60, that's 60%, and 60% from 3, 6 of 10, just unbelievable, coming off those screens, Spencer Dinwiddie, he made big plays late, but, and I still think he had a solid game, because he made big plays late and created for his teammates, 17 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists, but he needs to shoot a little bit better in Utah if they're going to want to win, win a game there. 6 for 18 and 1 of 6 from deep. And I already said the other guys. I mean, Maxi Kleba, 25 points on 8 of 11 shooting, 8 of 11 from 3. Also, Josh Green, he didn't play that much, 6 minutes, but man, they are really sagging off on him and dared him to shoot. Royce O'Neal, the only good perimeter defender on this team. I thought he actually had a good game. He was making his threes. 12 points, 4 of 6 from deep, 4 of 7 from the field, 9 rebounds too. Bogdanovich, 25 points on 9 of 15, as I said. Rudy, 8 points, 17 rebounds, 2 blocks, 4 offensive rebounds. I thought he did his thing, but again, his offense is trash, and I think he overhelps a little bit. At some point, it's like, you should just let... When Maxi Kleba's really hot like that, same thing as Terrence Mann last year. When they're really hot like that, you gotta just stay home. At that point, you gotta go 3 is worth more than 2, and just let Jalen Brunson score. Because he just kept getting burned. I know a three is less reliable than a layup. But you also need to make Donovan and them feel guilty about getting scored on. Don't let them blame you. Because people are going to say, oh, he should have stayed home. Oh, look at Rudy. His man is getting scored on. Obviously, that's a casual viewpoint. But let them feel guilty about getting scored on. Let them be on an island. Leave them. So they can get exposed. Because you're the one that catches all the slander. And this is clearly not a cohesive team anymore. Very clearly. There's going to be changes this season. Off season. Anyway, Mavs. Huge win. Huge. And now we have a series. A golden opportunity was missed by the Jazz. You can't be surprised about it. And speaking of golden, oh boy. Curry again off the bench tonight for the Warriors. It was a repeat of game one in a lot of ways. The Nuggets went to Jokic early and often, and he was getting whatever he wanted on Looney. He got him with two fouls immediately on the same exact type of foul where Looney was like holding him down, holding his waist down with his right hand. Jokic got two fouls on him quick, went straight to a left-handed jump hook on great low post position. Again, he had Curry on him at the foul line. They went to a zone, popped it up right over him from like eight feet away. He had like 10 points in the, at 12 points in the first quarter actually, and the Warriors started out kind of cold. Klay Thompson missed two open threes. Draymond Green missed two open threes. Andrew Wiggins was actually the guy that broke the deadlock in the beginning. They were down 7-0. Broke the deadlock on a drive to the basket and and one foul on Jokic. But Jordan Poole, as the first quarter went on, you know, started getting his couple of buckets. But when Steph Curry came in, everything started to change. And we've seen both games now. And this is part of the reason why I just don't think Jokic is the best player in the league. And this is part of the reason why I think Embiid is making this a conversation. Because Embiid has not shown to be getting exploited on defense in any capacity so far. But maybe that's because of the competition he's playing, you know. He's not playing the Warriors. But Nikola Jokic, I'm not saying he's a bad defender. Like, for example, he got a nice steal on, on, on protecting a blocking a pocket pass from Jordan Poole when Poole was in. But when Curry was in, and it's the second game in a row they're doing this, Draymond at the five, they're going with this new death lineup they have with Draymond, Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole, and Wiggins. And they're trying to put Jokic in the pick and roll every single time. And Curry got a lot of good looks. The first thing he did was he came off it on the left side, stepped back on Jokic and drop coverage. And and well, not drop coverage, it's more of a hedge. And, or a blitz, and he's just trying to t turn the corner on him on that blitz. 
And Steph Curry with the, hitting his first shot, you knew it was a good sign because he did not get off to a good shooting start in the first game. And then just getting really good looks. Otto Porter and Curry hit back-to-back threes later in the later in the first quarter. And Nemanja Bjelica, again, I thought he made another really great, he had really great contributions again to me. Cutting without the ball really well. There was one time where Otto Porter missed a three, followed his own miss. Jermichael Green didn't put a body on him quick enough, quickly enough. Otto Porter gets the rebound. Bielitsa cuts middle, gets a layup. Another time where Jordan Poole was around the basket, stopped his dribble, and then Nemanja Bielitsa cut, and he hit him with the behind the back. So Bielitsa, I mean, he also took somebody to the rim one, at one point as well. If he has six points, that lines up. He had 10 points, actually, five or six in the field, so he had a really solid game. But Jordan Poole, second quarter. Oh, the pool party began again, ladies and gentlemen. However, before I get into that, the Warriors were the Nuggets were actually up one after the first quarter because Monty Morris and Will Barton, I think it was actually Will Barton more than Monty Morris in the first quarter, had eight points, two threes. He scored in transition. When Jokic came out, Boogie again actually held down the fort really well. Had a pick and pop three. Pick and roll went to the basket. Had a good defensive possession on Klay Thompson where he blocked a shot. Klay finally scored on two mid-ranges, one of which Austin Rivers went got injured and hit the floor and was like grabbing his hip. And the Warriors had five on four numbers and Klay Thompson pump faked and stepped into the mid-range on good ball movement. But the Nuggets were actually holding the Warriors like they were there. They were there midway through the second quarter. Monte Morris had seven points in the quarter, you know, hit a pull-up three, got to the rim a couple of times. And the Nuggets actually went up by 10 points, believe it or not. But then you had the same thing that happened in game one, that new death lineup. Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, Draymond, Clay, Wiggins. And Wiggins, again, a really solid performance, guarding the guarding Monte Morris, making life tough for him, getting over screens, not shot hunting, making the shots that he takes. You know, he's been efficient in both games, Andrew Wiggins. Today, 5-9, not doing too much, 13 points, 8 rebounds too. Two of those offensive rebounds. So I thought he was really solid again, just knowing his role. But Jordan Poole, we got a new Splash Brother, you know, coming alive before our very eyes. In my opinion, he's the best show on TV right now. Unbelievable stuff this guy was doing. I mean, the ball movement of the Warriors and their movement without the ball is so insane. It's so hard to guard when Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are setting these screens because it's like, you're obviously, when you get hit with a screen, you're a step behind. So you have to hedge for a second. You have to hedge for a second. And sometimes, because the Warriors play such a spread out offense with no traditional big man, the middle is wide open. There is no, there's no back in the day when, yeah, yeah, guys would have to come hedge when a guy was getting a down screen set for him. But their man, their, their man that was rolling to the basket, that was setting the screen, was getting picked up because the rota- there was somebody right there around the basket. Now they're all the way in the deep corner. If you come all the way to make that rotation, you're leaving your man open in the corner. So it's very hard. you got to switch that action a lot. And if you don't, you get caught. For example, Curry came off a screen. Two guys ran at him. And Jordan Poole in the Draymond role made an amazing read. Found Klay Thompson for that back cut. And then the same. Klay Thompson's presence in the second half did the same thing. Came up. They threw. They mis- miscommunication. And I, I don't remember who got the layup off of it. But Jordan Poole was making some absolutely ridiculous passes. Ridiculous. And Curry, by the way, was cooking Joker in that pick and roll. 
You know, he was getting, when he got the step on him, Jokic would come blitz. There was this one spin move Curry had that was just ridiculous. There was another time where Jokic came and blitzed. Curry turns the corner, gets by him. And see, look, Jokic can't let him turn that corner, but he also needs a little bit of help. If you're going to blitz, you need the guy that's guarding Curry initially to get over that screen and not get caught behind it. Draymond Green may be using a little bit of his illegal screen tactics, but you need to get over that screen because if, if not, you're leaving Jokic basically on an island with Curry going downhill. He's not fast enough to move his feet that way. So you're going to have to, you need to throw two at Curry. Make him give up the ball, and then you're going to have to live with the rotations. But Curry was getting what he wanted. He even created an open three for Wiggins and started, he got Clay some open shots, and the crowd started getting going, man. The crowd really started getting going. But Jordan Poole hit some deep threes. He hit a deep three to end towards the end of the second quarter, and once that started happening, they started, clo- guys like Aaron Gordon, for example, who I thought, he plays good defense, but this guy's offense is disgusting. Like, even Draymond, they had him on, they had him mic'd up, and he was saying, don't react too much to an Aaron Gordon drive. They are so comfortable with letting him shoot anything, not even just a three, a mid-range. He's not a threat at all. And he plays good defense, and he's switchable. I get it. You know, you have, what's his name? Jeff Green, who's kind of switchable as well. But they need to make their open shots if they have any chance of even winning a game. Aaron Gordon, one of four from three. Jeff Green, one of three from three. So two of seven, like you're just going to need more than that. Four of her 12 overall. Even Austin Rivers as well got a couple open looks. Actually, he ended up shooting okay. Three of five and one of two from three. But the Warriors are just so hard to guard. And like Jokic in the second quarter when they went to that small ball lineup, I think he was a little hesitant. You know, Monty Morris was getting going, but Jokic, he needs to keep going at Draymond. And credit to Draymond, he's doing a really good job on Jokic when he's guarded him. He's just making life tough for him. And Draymond's playing great, by the way. Creating turnovers, creating offensive fouls, reading the defense, reading the offense well as a defensive player, obviously, as that free safety, you know, making playing great help defense. There was one time Monty Morris crossed over, got by Wiggins. Draymond came and helped. And the Warriors were just on a, they finished the second quarter on a 26-8 to run. Some of the passes and reads Jordan Poole was making was ridiculous. You can tell the game has slowed down for him. This is what all those in-season reps did for him. And it's just insane to me that Warriors fans that I've seen on Twitter can criticize Steve Kerr when you see a team playing this way. When you see a team that's so well-prepared on both ends of the floor, they know exactly what they're doing in terms of rotations, who to switch, who to not switch. Their, their unselfishness, your best player is okay with coming off the bench. He has no ego at all. He's okay with this, you know? Everyone's playing with so much confidence. It's well-organized. You you can just tell when teams are well-coached and when they're not, and the Warriors are well-coached and have been for years. For years. And by the way, when Curry and Poole pass the ball, most teams, I don't know if I said this in the first recap, but most teams, when teams take away their option A on like a pick and roll or dribble handoff, they just pass it to someone else and they reset. These guys, you take away their option A, they pass, and they're looking to move right away. Spontaneous movement. It's just unbelievable. And Poo has adopted this too. It's incredible. There's so much going on when you watch the Warriors. It just it, You can see how hard it is to guard them. You know, I talked about the play where you got the guards setting the down screens. The best way is to switch it. And now they have a counter to this. When they switch, Clay Thompson likes to post up the guards because he actually has some post game. He had a couple turnarounds over Monty Morris today. So that's something to look for down the line because you need to switch that action. You cannot let Curry 
get a step. Because if you don't hedge and you stay with the roller, then Curry's coming downhill or stepping into that three ball. Same goes for Poole now. Same goes for Clay. So now you're really in trouble, especially when Poole's making these incredible passes going downhill and made it behind the back to Clay Thompson. Two behind the back passes in one half. 26 to 8 to end the, to end the quarter. Jokic, though, again, I think Jokic, guys, he's doing everything he can. Like, there's not much more he can do. He's not a great defender, yes. And that's one thing you have to say with the Nuggets. The reason why they're struggling also so much with this Warriors team is they don't have any lineups that they can switch everything. Because that's the only way you can combat this, really. You're giving up. There's too many shooters now for the Warriors. They're back to what they used to be in that way. And now with Poole, it just, over, it just complicates things even more. So, you got to pick your poison. And they don't have the switch everything personnel. They have one lineup with Jokic and they have another lineup with DeMarcus Cousins. So it's very tough. It's very tough. Jokic, I thought, was eating in the third quarter. You know, Draymond couldn't guard him. He was getting good low post position. He even started hitting that foul that foul line jumper where he just jab steps and pulls right over the guy. I will say this too about Jokic though so far. He's not hitting his threes at all. Now, I don't think that's something that needs to happen, but that could help. I mean, he was hitting every single three against us in the bubble, but 0 of 4, 0 for 4 from 3 tonight for Joker. Even though the team started out shooting really well from deep, but only ended up 13 of 36. But yeah, I don't think he even needs to shoot threes. The only thing is, Jokic is scoring and everything, and that's two points, but the Warriors are just getting threes left and right. It's like the Nuggets role players need to make threes. I just think they're outmatched. You know, they got to make their open threes. But they're just outmatched. There's just too much, too much on the Warriors side on both ends of the floor. They can switch more matchups. They're just so lethal. I don't understand how you're supposed to guard that Curry's relocation tactic. Like when Curry's coming downhill against Jokic, and let's say he gets by him and someone comes to help, they all help off of Draymond. Every single one helps off of Draymond. Curry throws it to him and he doesn't shoot. Draymond just waits for the Curry relocation to come off another screen. It's ridiculous. It's so hard to guard. Like you constantly have to be communicating. And rotating, it's just a nightmare. It seems like a nightmare. Curry, and by the way, Clay hit three threes in the in the third quarter. Two of them from the right corner, and then one coming off a curl uh, on the left wing. So Clay, when he starts feeling it, you're really in trouble. Clay Thompson tonight, nine of nineteen from the field, three of eight from three, twenty one points. He's off to a solid start in these playoffs so far. But Jordan Poole, just some of the some of the things that he and Curry were doing at the end of the third quarter and then like the beginning of the fourth, they basically decided the game again. It was it was insane. Just Jordan Poole coming off screens, popping threes with the slightest bit of room. Then he's ISOing guys, pulling up from 30, getting to the rim. His layup package is crazy. That step back he hit in the corner over DeMarcus Cousins on like tween tween going backwards was, was just absurd. And then Steph Curry is just doing Steph Curry things. His off the ball movement. You know, even playing good defense, forcing a couple turnovers with his good hands. He's always had good hands. But just coming off those screens, if you're not going to switch those down screens with Curry setting them or those back screens with Curry setting them, that guard-to-guard stuff with Curry Thompson or Curry Poole or Clay Poole, it's very tough. You have to figure out what you're going to do and quick because they slip that shit even if you do switch. They have counters to everything off the ball. It's It makes them so unique. And Curry was just getting whatever he wanted. That three hit was a four-point play coming off a screen, right wing. It's just ridiculous, man. He was he was hot. It was a vintage Curry kind of night. Getting to his floater when they were running him off the line. You just can't do much about the guy when he's, when he's having that kind of night. And the Warriors are just showing how formidable they are right now. 
Just rolling on all cylinders. 17 for 40 from three. That's 42.5%, 55% from the field. Curry, weirdly, though, missed his free throws tonight, but he was just awesome. And, and in the minutes that he played to do it, he did not play that much. 34 points in 23 minutes, an astonishing plus 32, plus minus, the highest of anyone. Five for 10 from three. And then Jordan Poole, just another insane game. Uh, just, as I said, the game is slowing down for this guy. He is just, it was one, at one point late in the game with, after those, you know, the tween-tween three-pointer on Cousins, he had this play where Bones Highland like reached on him, he spun, and he knew what he was doing three seconds before he did it and found Bielitsa under the rim. It's like, it's just slowing down so much for him. It was almost like he was, you can just tell when a player's in the zone and when he's just clowning guys out there, and that's how it felt for Poole. He was just clowning guys out there. It felt like a pickup game for him. 29 points, 8 assists. 8 assists, guys. Just improving by the day as a playmaker. 5 rebounds, 10 to 16, 5 of 10, 4 of 4 from 3. Just another great performance by the Warriors. And they got out-rebounded by 12 to 47 to 35. Probably a lot of that is Jokic, who finished with 26, 11, and 4 assists. 28 minutes. He did get ejected because he was really frustrated with a, a foul that should have been called on Draymond Green. And, you know, Jokic just obviously had some tough officiating go against him as being the road team happens. It happens being the road team. But he will probably get those calls in Denver. So we'll see what happens with the way that they change officiating the game. But I just don't know what more he can do, literally. Like, I think Jokic is playing his best. I think maybe he needs to play out of his mind. He hasn't had an out of his mind game. But if that's what you're asking from him, it's like, dude, he's trying. I don't know what else you want from him. The defense... Defense is not good enough to hold this team. They just have too many weapons. And by the way, I hope all you guys that were slandering Steph Curry, even going as far as to say that he's not one of the two best point guards in the league right now, have learned your lesson. He is in the best player in the world conversation still. You look at the effect he has on his teammates, on his team. It's infectious. It all starts from Curry. The off-the-ball movement. The constant relocation. The pass and move when, when your first option is taken away. It's like... The dribble handoff's not there. Oh, let me just move to the side. Let me, let me just flash here real quick. Let me come out of another screen. It's it's just so spontaneous, and it's just kind of, as they say, read and react, and everybody's kind of gone. I know it's Kerr, and it's coaching too, but it's, it's it starts with Curry, and the enthusiasm he also has for the game, his willingness to come off the bench and let a guy like Jordan Poole get off like that. That can't be understated. These are all effects that go beyond the stat sheet, so you need to look at the game at a deeper level. He's still in this conversation to me. He still is. And and quite frankly, we, people want to talk about Curry's defense. He's not getting more exploited than Jokic is right now. And I'm not saying Jokic is a liability, but in certain ways, not having the switch everything personnel is putting the Nuggets defense at a disadvantage. And Curry is really taking advantage of this. So, you know, you can make your own judgment, but right now the Warriors look formidable and it looks like that collision course is set for the Suns, Warriors, Western Conference Finals, which should be epic. I think the Grizzlies and the Wolves... Especially the Grizzlies, if they're lucky enough to beat the Wolves, they're going to get smacked around by this Warriors team. I know the Nuggets are not as good as the Grizzlies, but this Warriors team is looking dangerous because we had not seen Poole, Draymond, Curry, and Clay play together all at once this season like this. And because the three of Draymond, Clay, and Steph are so comfortable playing with one another, and Poole has played with a little bit of every single one, it has, it just, most teams that haven't played with each other, you know, you need to get a couple of games together. But these guys are so unselfish. They're so versatile. They make such quick decisions. And they're so well coached. And they've also, three of them have played together and won chips together. It doesn't really even matter. 
The Warriors win it 126-106 to 106 in almost a carbon copy of Game 1. They go on to take a 2-0 lead. Steph Curry, I already, I think I read the lines already. So that's it for me tonight, guys. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again tomorrow night for more games. It's been fun. I hope you're enjoying these recaps. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar a dime. 51 minutes is a little bit long, but the thoroughest I can give you, man. Peace out, everybody. Let me know what you think. I'm always open to criticism and feedback. I'm going to also have more guests on for these lives lately, too, because I'm going to probably sick of hearing me ramble, but sometimes it's best because I can get off my everything off my chest without having to worry about losing my thoughts, piggy, piggybacking off someone else. But thanks for joining me, guys. Peace. Now we're going to go to the live subscribers waiting oh so patiently in the chat.